Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to today's conversation over the texts for the fourth Sunday of Easter. If you would like to hear those readings, you can hear it on the reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. So today it is me and Vicar Leeper, and we get to talk about the Good Shepherd and the great and wondrous work that he continues to do as we still celebrate his resurrection, his life, and our life in him. And the gospel lesson is St. John 10, and it's the Good Shepherd text. And it is Christ himself declaring, claiming, stating, and making sure we know who he is. And I also like what he is. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I think this is a fascinating thing because I think of sheep. They're not smart. No. They don't smell good. (laughs) They don't do anything except roam around. Well, here's one of the interesting things about sheep, and and please understand, I am not an expert on this. (laughs) Uh, I was talking with uh, Joe Pearson. He's he's dealt directly with sheep. Um, Other people who have, you know, been more involved in farm life, they've worked directly with them. One of the interesting things that my exposure to sheep is through some of the controversy surrounding PETA. Looking at how PETA deals with sheep, they've got some really some billboards, you know, talking about like the wool industry and all this. And people always point out that PETA is being a little bit stupid because the shearing of the sheep in no way harms the sheep. Right. In fact, it's to their benefit. Yeah. You know, you see sheep that have wandered off from the the flock. They've gotten lost. Their wool has grown so much they can't function. Mm-hmm. Sheep are one of the most dependent animals. Yes. Like everything else, if society collapsed, cows would roam and eat grass. Mm -hmm. Pigs are very smart. They would be able to forage. Sheep would all die. (laughs) Like if we no longer took care of sheep, Mm -hmm. they could not function. Sheep are not wild animals. No. I don't know how this happened. Mm-hmm. But they are the most dependent animals that we have a relationship with, with as humans. I'd almost call it like a symbiotic relationship oh, yeah. where they need us to function. Well, absolutely. I think there's a lot to that. And I like the aspect of dependency. I've been told, and again, I'm no expert. Uh, I have no real experience with sheep. But they actually have bad eyesight. Really? And that's one of the reasons, the, the herd mentality— if one leaves, they all follow, and it's because they don't have good eyesight, and they want to make sure that they can continue to see one another, and so that that's why they travel and will follow each other literally off a cliff because they're <laughs> watching, and so I think that's interesting. Now, we don't say this to demean 
sheep for all the sheep lovers out there, <laughs> uh, nor to demean you, because part of this this analogy that Jesus is using is this recognition, and God says this a lot in the Old Testament: we are His flock. Right. Israel is His flock, and through Christ, we actually get grafted into that flock. We become part of of God's flock as well. So I, I we don't say all this bad stuff about sheep to to be mean to sheep or to you, but rather to emphasize God's relationship with us. Well, let me flip that just a little bit. And again, yeah. not, not so that we can pick on people, uh, <laughs> but you, the, the statement that you made, dependency. Yeah. Left to myself, if I say I'm an independent human being and I'll take care of myself, how can I live? It's not like I can make food. And I, and I mean that in the, the actual creation sense. Sure. I need to be dependent upon creation. Who made creation? Of course, God. We'll even go further back. It's not like I chose to be born. It's not that I chose brown, black hair. It's not that I chose to anything about myself. This is all gifted to me. So immediately, I'm already dependent upon God and his sovereignty and his providence. Now, I'm going to claim independence in the things that I do in creation. Sure. But even in that, I'm still dependent upon other creation. I'm dependent upon other people, doctors, nurses, policemen, firemen, you know, name anybody. And there's some dependency. And now also with that, what can I do all on my own? And it really gets quickly to nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. And so with that, I I really, uh, going back to your statement, the dependency of sheep really mirrors and reflects how dependent we are on God. And and we shouldn't shy away from this in its proper context and proper sense, because it's not that we can't do anything and we're just laying here and God is the one who does everything and we're passive. We participate in creation. We participate in God's work that he lays out for us. But what does this mean for relationship? And, and, that, I like, and that's the key here is, is Jesus is talking about his relationship to us. Right. The key is not to say you're sheep and you'll like it. The point is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. So what is Jesus bringing out by, by saying this? I, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I like the idea of the, the shepherd and, and he changes this aspect because – I'm not really willing to die for a animal that is looking for its place to die in life. By no means are a majestical animal, they're not endangered, they're not special on any level. So if I'm watching a sheep and I see a lion, a bear, a wolf, or anything with big teeth coming at it, I'm going to look at it and say, sorry. You got eaten. Yeah. That, you know, there's nothing special about that. And you got Jesus who says, I'm the shepherd who lays down his life. And it's not just that he gets in the way of whatever ravenous animal that's going to attack the the, the sheep. He defends, protects, and continues to do that. And, and that's a huge thing because really the shepherd's life to the sheep's life, if we do cost analysis— we can get another sheep. Yes. 
I don't know if we can ever get another shepherd. And this is some, This is an interesting part because Jesus uses this analogy multiple times. Mm-hmm. And that's something that always comes out is there's a clear difference of value. Mm-hmm. Even we would say this between a shepherd and between a sheep. There's a clear right. difference in value between the life of the son of God and even human life. Right. But Jesus emphasizes again and again and again how much he is going to value those sheep's life to the point that it's strange. Yes. To the point that it's unusual. To the point that this is not actually how farmers operate. Farmers and shepherds have a have a good understanding of acceptable loss. Mm-hmm. And Jesus seems to have no concept right. of acceptable loss when it comes to his care for the sheep. And when he talks about being a good shepherd, the point that he makes is I am intimately involved. I have a personal vestment and I care more than just this is my job that I do for a paycheck. That's the hired worker that he brings up. But these are my sheep. My life is tied to them. And I would lay down my, I will lay down my life for the sheep. And and I like what you said. That's awkward. That's not right. And this becomes the model of our life. And what do we see when our shepherd not only leads and guides us, but then actually dies for us? And the immediate thing is, we're not lost sheep now wondering. No. Because as it says, that he will pick his life back up because he chooses to lay it down. And I think that's a huge aspect. It's not an accident. It's not that no. he isn't strong enough to defend off the, the bear, the lion, the wolf. It's not an oops. Yeah. You know? No, he chooses to die for each and every sheep. And I think that's another big point too, because it's not, oh, that one that, that wandered off. All of them all the flock, all people. And so I I love that aspect. And we need to listen to this because not only does it change our relationship, but now what are we dependent upon? Because it's not just protection. It's not just being um, safe from the devil and demons and so on and so forth. We're dependent for life. And it's life here and eternal life. And that's how big the shepherd is. That's how big his life is. And again, just changing that perspective from, I have this nice warm and fuzzy feeling because Jesus is watching over me. No, he died for me. Right. And then continues to sustain the life that I have in him. We continues to guide us and to bring us into eternal life. I, I think back, you know, we talked about the strangeness of the shepherd. I think, you know, what you said about defending from mm-hmm. all of these like lions and, and bears and stuff reminds me of what David talked about when he was a shepherd. You know, David, one of the, the biggest kings of Israel, uh, kind of this great king who was an, you know, an archetype of Christ who would come. He literally was a shepherd. and mm-hmm. He talks about defending his sheep from these enemies that would try to to eat them and to destroy them. And I think of the psalm that he wrote about that experience and about his relationship with God, which is the well-known Psalm 23, which is the the intro, the, the psalm for this uh, weekend as well. And in that, uh, he says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. So God is is guiding him, giving him the things. He's dependent. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He talks about how God is is leading him, not just, just leaving him, but bringing him to restoration, bringing him to righteousness, to good things. And then we get to this, this crucial point here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How does this play into our understanding of Christ as our good shepherd? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I love this aspect because in Good Friday and Easter, we see death on display in two aspects. First, when we gaze upon Christ in the crucifixion, it seems very contrary. There is the strength, the power, and might of God in what looks like weak brokenness. It doesn't look like Jesus, the superhero, rushing in to defeat sin, death, and hell. No. He's broken. He's bleeding. Shameful. uh, Humiliated. Humiliation. Right. But right there, that is the defeat of death. And that's huge because that is the eternal death we deserve. And Jesus takes that on fully, full uh, brunt, the wrath of God, the whole nine yards is laid on his shoulders. Easter, death is yet again on display as a defeated, toothless enemy. It's still out there. He's still raging war against us, but that power, the teeth are gone. And so with this, we see the the idea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is exactly what death is now. It's a shadow of what it once threatened to be. And Jesus walks us through this shadow. And I've always asked the question, when has a shadow ever hurt? And of course, the answer is, well, never. Is the shadow scary? Absolutely. I don't know about you, but even to to this day, walking through the house after I close all the, turn off all the (laughs) lights and windows, you know, you see the shadow in the corner of your eye, who's there? And it's just the stupid chair. Shadows are scary, but shadows don't hurt. And that's exactly what death is to us now. Death is still scary, but it has no teeth and it has no power because not only has its power been taken away, its threats been taken away, but even in our death, Jesus sees us through it. And so we get the comfort of his staff and his rod. That's his word. That's his sacrament. That's law. That's gospel. That's the gift of God being delivered to the church through the pastor so that we get to have this comfort comfort going through this life, going through this death to life everlasting because the good shepherd has laid down his life and continues to lead us, his sheep, his people, through all these horrific events. But even these horrific events are small compared to the eternity of life everlasting. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? We are still in the season of Easter. Easter is not a a one-day, one-time event, but it's a, a season in which we focus on Christ's resurrection and what that means for us. With this good shepherd passage and what Psalm 23 as well shows us 
is that the good shepherd leads us through death to life and that the entire time we are in the hands of our Savior. We are constantly being led, redeemed, and saved by the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. So I want to push something on you. Mm-hmm. You hold the title vicar, which means substitute, and it's me sharing my call, my responsibilities and authorities for you. We have Jesus, and these are very humbling words, especially from a, a pastor's perspective. I have my Lord telling me as pastor, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them because he is a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. Now, the reason this is humbling from my perspective, the people of Holy Cross are not my sheep. Right. At no time do I ever claim to be a hired hand. I intimately desire salvation, peace, comfort, forgiveness, all the gifts of God to each and every member. Yes. Every 1,138 of them. I want nothing but peace and comfort. But they're not my sheep. Because you're not the good shepherd. Right. And I think that's interesting. But now you as a vicar. <laughs> right. I'm I'm in an even weirder position than you because and just to just to be clear to our listeners, the word pastor literally comes from the Greek word shepherd. Right. Uh the this idea of of shepherding God's flock is is intimately connected with the role of of pastor. Mm-hmm. Now as you said, you're not a hired hand. Right. You are an under shepherd. Mm. You are under the good shepherd. You are not the good shepherd, but you're under him at his direction. Now, I'm in a weird position because I am not called here to be a pastor, to be a shepherd. In a weird sense, I, it sounds like you're asking me, am I a hired hand? Yeah. Um, am I just here to, you know, collect my paycheck and if, and if the wolf comes, am I running away? <laughs> I think I'd like to say, no, I'm, I'm not just a hired hand, but I also don't bear the full responsibility that you and other pastors do. I'm the under under shepherd. I'm under you here to learn what it means to be to be a shepherd. But there is a weirdness that is the fact that my time here has an end date. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a time when my vicarage ends. I think it's the end of June. Yeah. And when that day comes, I will look at Holy Cross and, you know, with all kindness say, not my monkeys, not my sons. <laughs> To change our animal metaphor. And that's a weird feeling for me mm-hmm. because I like to have this mentality that, you know, treat treat everywhere you're at like you're going to be there forever right. and like you're right about to leave. Mm-hmm. Like at the same time, hold those things in tension. I used to kind of say, kind of be where your feet are. Yeah. Like be, be in this moment as if this moment were eternity and as if this moment were just a fleeting second in all of existence. What, what I'm trying to say is... The challenge for all of us is to not see ourselves as in places to get something out of it, to the sense that the sheep, the people are just a means to an end, but to all, 
model ourselves after Christ and intimately care for those we are with, to be directly involved. And even as a vicar, I think that this is, is my challenge as well, mm. to, to be intimately involved and to care for the sheep, even as I am one of the sheep. And to not, you know, divorce myself from them, to see them as just, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because, you know, I'm getting a paycheck and if something better comes along, I'll take that. Or if, you know, worse comes to worse, I can always leave like that. I think that's not the mentality we're supposed to have. And this falls into ideas of community as well. Mm-hmm. That to be, a, to be a community is to not see yourself as, you know, an unimportant I- employee, but as an intimately involved member of something. Now, I'm going to push back on you since you okay. raise it me. This idea of being an under-shepherd mm-hmm. and this idea, what what does it mean to, as a pastor, serve under the shepherd and not bear the full responsibility of Christ? Because if you bore the full responsibility of Christ, uh, you'd have to die for the sheep too. Right. Uh, but to have some of that responsibility that he has given to you over these specific sheep here, what's what's that like to be an under-shepherd? terrifying <laughs> because you really do have the perfect example and Jesus turning it around and saying, these are my sheep. This is how you treat them. Well, I think of Jesus telling Peter, feed my sheep. Exactly. Feed my lambs. I give this responsibility to you. Absolutely. And Peter being the, the example of pastor and then the church. And it's utterly terrifying. And I, I can't tell you how many times preparing sermons and asking the question, is this enough? Is this good enough? Will the sheep hear their good shepherd, or am I getting in the way, or am I obscuring, so on and so forth? So it's an absolutely terrifying situation because, again, the things that I have to model and any pastor has to model himself after is the good shepherd. Right. And so I take a lot of comfort that I too am a sheep. And I, too, have that forgiveness, and I, too, have that mercy that is given, preached, and proclaimed even from my lips that is never an excuse. It is never, I won't prepare a sermon, I won't visit the sick, I won't, I won't do the work that's placed in front of me, because I have forgiveness, too. Yes, I have forgiveness, but work has been placed before me to feed the sheep placed into my care. And this becomes the the interesting aspect to it. It is my work. Right. But it's because God said so. And I really appreciate the words of absolution, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm doing this because he said, go and do this. Like you said, St. Peter, feed my sheep. And so the authority, the work, that's him. Yeah. I just so happen to be the guy that says the words that he gave me to say. And I love that because it's comfort. Now, can I mess that up? Absolutely. And should I only just say what Jesus says? Well, no, because we have so much more to live out in the foundation of what Christ said. You know, I have a friend who grew up as a rancher. Hmm. And and they had they had cattle they had various cattle, and he once told me that one of the ways that he sees this is that the pastor is a sheepdog. Hmm. So essentially, you know, he's not the shepherd, hmm. 
but instead he's there to serve the purposes of the shepherd. And if the sheepdog ever takes his eyes off of the shepherd, they lose their ability to be effective, to be what they are supposed to be. So the sheepdog too must always keep their eyes on the shepherd. And I always liked that. I always kind of liked that analogy uh, of another way of exploring this under-shepherd idea of as a sheepdog, as also a kind of a member of of this flock, mm-hmm. as a, you know, one of the, you know, creatures of the, the shepherd, there to serve a specific purpose of him and to help guide these sheep and to be the shepherd's voice in a specific place. Right. I, you know, the, the sheepdog's bark is the command of the shepherd yeah. to those sheep, which I always thought was just a really fascinating, interesting way of looking at this. I, I really like that aspect because, again, the, the dog has no authority no. and was trained to do a specific thing for a specific person, specific place, so on and so forth. Right. And that's the role of, of pastor because when I go pump gas, I'm not the pump, I'm not the pastor pumping guy, <laughs> you know, do I still carry the, the title pastor? Absolutely. But that's not my vocation. No. And, and so that that is a great joy. And it does become very specific. But then the application and implications are just huge, truly, all the way to eternity. Because it's connected exactly to the very life that has been laid down for your salvation. And this becomes the joy of being the community, the flock that the Lord has called us to be. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.